Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the YPod, where we highlight everyday Wyoming leaders. I'm super excited today for you to hear a conversation uh, with a longtime friend of mine. Her name is Kristen Schaefer. Kristen, thanks for doing this today. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you who know Kristen, you know she's involved in a lot of things in the community, lots of artistic endeavors. She's also a business owner. She owns Bird Nest Studio. And you're going to get to hear about a lot of what she does. But before we dive into that, Kristen, I'm wondering, could you just give us a little bit of, of backstory on your background, your history? Sure. Um, I've been an artist all my life. Uh, started out as a very, very little girl. My mom would tell you that she knew I was going to be an artist from the minute I could pick up a pencil. Um, she said that I would draw pictures, color them, cut them out, and want to paste them on other things at about the age of three. So <laughs> she, had a, she had a feeling that I was going to be very artistic and creative. Um, basically, art has been my most of my life. And the picture that folks are going to see doesn't automatically screen artist, but artist. It's, it's played a huge role in your background. I know it's played an ongoing role in your life. Could you tell us what folks are seeing on this picture? <laughs> sure. Um, this is me on the left, far left, with a group of all of my buddies at basic training. Um, I was a public affairs specialist in the National Guard, which basically is a glorified photojournalist. Uh, so on top of being an artist, um, I'm also a professional photographer, and um, I do all kinds of things. Uh, right now, I'm the photographer for the Wyoming Symphony Orchestra, which is fun. Um, but these are the fellows that got me through basic training. We all leaned on each other in big ways, so. And you've been involved in a variety of aspects since then, both as an active member, as a reservist, and also have done some press and media coverage with them as well. Um, it's a good opportunity to say thanks for doing all that. Oh, thank you. And then probably more in keeping traditionally with, with what people might think of as folks in Wyoming, It'd be a shame if we didn't talk about family a little bit. This is not a current photo, but who are the, the sparkling young people we see in this? These are my two children, Taryn on the left and Walker on the right. Uh, Taryn and Walker are about three years apart. Um, they look a lot alike. <laughs> They're both really creative and artistic also. Um, they both kind of got that from me and they, they both like to do things creatively. Walker is currently welding. Uh, Taryn is currently doing some house painting, I believe. So um, they're both kind of working in fields where they get their hands dirty um, and get to be kind of creative and, and both, they're good kids. Absolutely. I was going to say for anyone who's ever met you and your kids, uh, the apples did not fall far from the tree, both in terms of artistic talent, but also really exuberant, um, confident people, good communicators, really good people. Good kids. Thank you. And a, a little ways back, because you have been involved in a variety of endeavors, um, you started Bird's Nest, and you said that it's changed a little bit when we were talking before this conversation. Could you give folks a little bit of a story about why you started it and also kind of how your brand has changed recently? You bet. Um, I started Bird's Nest because uh, I do these mandalas. So I draw them. Um, they started out only on paper, you know, they're hours and hours and hours of work. They're meditations for me, but they also end up being 
uh, beautiful, intricate uh, art pieces when you're done. The problem I was finding was people loved them, but when I told them prices, you know, they said, oh, I want to buy one. When I tell them how much they are, they're like, whoa. You know, because you, when you have to do, when you work on something for that long, the price doesn't necessarily reflect the perceived value of what the piece is. So I started thinking about, okay, how can I continue to do this as an art form and sell them for reasonable prices? Uh, working with sacred geometry too, there's a lot of sacred geometry involved in, in the mandalas. So I, I thought, it, you know, I thought really hard about it. Like, what can I do with these? So I figured out a way to put them on clothing. And that's where Bird's Nest started. It, it all started with me trying to solve the problem of, hey, this is cool art. People love it. They want to see it, but they can't necessarily afford to buy the original pieces. So that kind of spurred all of my art forms, you know, everything that I'm really working on right now. And one of the pieces that I remember when you you launched, so to speak, uh, I was fascinated by what it would take to take an artistic creation and put it on clothing, like what folks see here on, on yoga pants. As an artist, how does that work, going from something you see on paper or on a digital screen and then visualizing what it's going to look like on clothes? Well, it's really cool, actually, because the manufacturers that I work with, I'm able to upload the image and they have a, like a 3D modeling um, software that I can use where I get to control where everything ends up on the piece of clothing. Now, funny things happen sometimes where I'll have a great design, a great flat design that I love and I think, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then I put it on the pants and something weird happens. And you're like, oh, that doesn't look good there. That's really weird. So I can't really use it for that. And, you know, I mean, it's good to be able to model them because if I couldn't <laughs> and I put some of these on pants without knowing, you know, exactly where everything's going to end up, I'd get some really weird stuff back sometimes. <laughs> and I have to say, it's amazing to see people walking around wearing your designs. It, 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 it's so much different than just seeing something that they bought off the shelf at a store. Um, because you, I, I'm not sure if everyone can tell this, but I can usually tell when it's a custom made piece. And then when it's something that they just bought off of Amazon or they bought, a, bought it off of a standard yoga, yoga store. So it's cool to see them walking around. Thanks. I love it too. It is really fun. And part of, part of where my, I've noticed where my art, my art really evolves as I get older is that I like it to be functional, um, rather than a pretty piece to hang on the wall, which is great. And I still do art like that. I still paint, I still draw, I still do things in that way, but I really enjoy a piece of art being able to be useful and functional. And there isn't much that's more functional than a hoodie, especially right. these days. And this is a very different canvas to work from. Um, it, how, do you, how do you visualize what goes on a piece like this differently than what you might in, in visualize on the other? Or do you think about it exactly the same? Uh, not exactly. Um, the pants, I have to really pay attention to where things are in the design, like I was saying a minute ago, so that you don't end up with really weird stuff happening. But on a hoodie, I mean, there's really only a certain amount of space that you have to put something on it. I can do hoodies that are all 
that are, the design is all the way around, but you design that in pieces more than just one flat design. So having a smaller flat design that just goes on the front of a hoodie, I, I don't really think of it in the same way that I think of the pants. It's, it's a lot easier to work with. And do you do in this frame, I know our daughter is an example, just designed and created a, a sweatshirt that she wears and it has a very different resonance for her because it's something that she designed. Do you do much of that custom work on these types of clothing or is that more the work that we'll talk about in just a couple of minutes, we'll move more into that. Do you do custom work on this as well? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, this I know was a custom piece because you told me a little bit about the story. Could you tell folks the origin of this piece? How did this come to be? Um, so in my work in most recent years, I've been working a lot with very yoga centric uh, type of imagery and um, symbolism. And I had a customer that reached out to me specifically and said, have you ever thought of working with the tree of life? Which, you know, kind of comes from, it's also Kabbalist, Kabbalah, Kabbalistic, sorry, Kabbalistic um, Judaism, the tree of life, but it's in a very different format than this. Um, this is a more modernized uh, new age approach to the tree of life, which is kind of as above, so below, you see the same imagery as in the top as you do in the bottom with the roots and the branches. Um, but I really wanted to put my own flair on it, of course, which is super colorful, um, very also geometric. Uh, and then I love the idea of the of using the moon and kind of a dusk um, background for it. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's my, it's my version of the tree of life painted as well as designed. And when we were talking about this piece, I had asked how it was created and this happened to be created digitally mm -hmm. and you work both digitally and on physical, uh, not only pen and paper, but canvas. And I know you sculpt as well. So there are a lot of different manual um, pieces that you touch. What do you like about digital? What do you like about the, the manual process, like a pen and paper type of an approach? Uh, digitally, I enjoy the ease of it. And when I say that, I don't mean that it's easy to paint or be an artist in the digital form the way you might think. I mean, I don't have to pull out five or six different medium and I don't have to have a huge area to be able to work with all those medium. Um, I can use like this piece specifically has airbrush as well as pen and ink type, you know, ink, inked, it's, it's inked also. Um, and I think I did a, a pastel with the actual tree itself. I'm looking at it. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it's pastel. Um, but it's really fun even to play with those digitally uh, because they've, they've done a great job in all these programs of making them feel and look so authentic. You know, just because you've made it digitally with pastel doesn't mean it's not really like a pastel would be, you know, so um, it's, it's nice. I really like that I can have, I, like this is portable. I can take my iPad or my Wacom with me 
and I might be able to go sit in a coffee shop for an hour and do a whole painting that I would need to be in the studio or dragging around, you know, tons of paints or, or an airbrush and a, you know, a compressor or whatever. So it's kind of fun to be able to have all that stuff at the tip of your fingers, you know, at your fingertips without having to actually have the medium. But that said, I do still really enjoy getting my hands dirty sometimes, especially in sculpting medium, um, especially with paint. There's a certain satisfaction after you've sat down with, you know, a bunch of paint and you've been painting all day and it's all over you, which you feel like a mess, but you also feel like, hey, I did something, <laughs> you know? And in this piece, uh, you mentioned like, getting your hands dirty. And, and I'm gonna use this as, as the antithesis of that because this feels so finely crafted and so fine-tuned I know there's a piece of equipment that you're using to do this, um, and I believe it's called the Glowforge. Before we talk about the piece itself, could you tell folks in general what a Glowforge is? A Glowforge is a laser cutter and engraver. Um, it is a, it's on the more powerful spectrum of laser cutting right now. It's not the most powerful, but it is more powerful. It's got a, it's got a and a more advanced laser. Um, and you, I mean, the possibilities of things you can do with this thing are endless, absolutely endless. Um, I invested in one because I like to design and work so much in three dimension. Um, I really wanted to expand my reach and expand what I was able to do. Um, so I invested in it and I'm absolutely in love with the thing. And in this piece, so folks don't think that all you have to do is buy a machine, uh, download a, a design off of the internet and hit hit uh, play or cut in this case. Uh, what was the process that you used to design this piece? So this one specifically was in, done in mostly in Illustrator. Um, what happens with my designs is that I usually start with my iPad, I draw up a design like the scroll work or the mandalas. Um, then I transfer that design into, and I do that in Procreate, just in case anybody wants to know. Um, Procreate's a, an awesome little program and it's free and anybody can use it and it's a lot of fun. So get Procreate. Moving on. Um, I take that design out of Procreate and I put it, I bring it into, um, into Illustrator and I'll vectorize it so that it's endlessly able to be sized so I can size it up or I can size it down. Um, and then I just use the tools within Illustrator to like for this one specifically, I made the pattern, meaning the pattern for cutting out the pieces so that they'll fold up and make this star. Um, and when I, I did the kind of the outer lines and the score lines and then I used um, this scroll pattern that I did and kind of masked it out with a triangle. I mean it, it's kind of involved. <laughs> it takes me a long time. It took me a long time to design this one because I wanted it to be wanted it to be just right but um, yeah it's it's and from there I take it into the Glowforge program <laughs> and then tell it what to cut and what to score and and how to do it and yeah. It's one of the the things that strikes me, and it's been true knowing you and also knowing a number of other creative people, 
how much uh, we take for granted that when we, we see something, I think we automatically assume it's just a mass produced item. And then you come across something like this and you hear the story and it is a piece of art. It's something that was created with definite intention by a person who gave a lot of thought to it. And I think folks will see that in, in a variety of the things that we talk through. In this particular piece, this is another one that you designed. And mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier the concept of sacred geometry. It's involved yes. in this piece. Could you tell folks who, who may not know, in general, what is the idea of sacred geometry? Sacred geometry is a mathematical way of looking at, in geometric terms, of looking at the world. Um, and the, the, for me, the coolest part of sacred geometry is the fact that it is mathematically proven that it shows up over and over and over again in nature, like in the centers of flowers. Um, you can look at different types of plants and they are perfect mathematic sacred geometry shapes. They can be measured and proven that they are absolutely perfect. And I love that. I love the idea. I draw a lot of inspiration from nature anyway in my work. Um, <laughs> and the funny thing is, is in school, I, I was horrible at math, horrible. I mean, I made great grades, like all A's in every other subject in school, but math, I came close to failing all the time because I, it just never clicked for me. But as I got older and realized, hey, math, geometry is just shapes. I can do geometry. That's cool. Because anything that you can do with it, you can prove it later, you know, in real life, in actual shapes that you can touch and feel and put together. And so this design specifically is called the Merkaba. And it is one of the crystalline, what they call the crystalline shapes of sacred geometry. And what happens with the crystalline shapes and Leonardo da Vinci, if you look him up, also played with a lot of sacred geometry because crystalline shapes um, is they are three dimensionally the way crystals form and the way um, basic shapes get put together and make three dimensional shapes. So the Merkaba is an actual three dimensional shapes, although it's been flattened here in this design. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That's a big, long explanation for something that's just way cool. And it, it looks cool. Uh, the other thing that I love in that, having a, a daughter who sometimes struggles with math, but is also very creative, there's hope for her that geometry will one day serve a purpose, is what I'm hearing you say. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and it will someday make sense to her, even if it doesn't right now. <laughs> Uh, there's always hope. This piece that we have in front was uh, again designed by you and it was it was cut and created by you as well, but obviously a very different design uh, philosophy behind it than the sacred geometry. Could you tell folks a little bit about what they see here? So the this is called a Hamza, H-A-M-S-A, -A, Hamza, and it is um, symbolism used in Kabbalistic Judaism, we had spoken about that before the, this conversation, um, but it's, it's meant as a symbol of protection. Um, it's seen very often in kind of yoga-centric um, practices and symbolism and in that community, um, it's been kind of adopted by the yoga community as a, just a beautiful symbol of protection and um, that, that eye at the bottom that you see is very common to see in 
in these designs. Um, it's called the evil eye. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that, but it's meant to be as a, a you know, a symbol of protection and watching over somebody. Um, so, and the Merkaba actually, I should go back. The Merkaba is also a symbol that is meant as a protective symbol in a way um, to marry opposing energies. So like the female, feminine and masculine energies, the yin and the yang, um, that's what the Merkaba symbolism is. So I, I love to incorporate images and symbols that have greater and deeper meaning um, and can be almost like a talisman or amulet for somebody to wear and feel like, okay, you know, this has a, this has a meaning, it has a purpose. I could see uh, someone putting on this kind of symbol, be it in an earring or a pendant or on a hoodie, like that meeting you're going into where you need the evil eye to protect you. It, it <laughs> <pops to> <laughs> And here again, we have a piece that you custom designed. Uh, what is it? What is the object they're seeing? And then could you tell us a little bit about how you put it together? Uh, this is a shadow lamp and it is a dodecahedron is the name of the shape. Um, it's because it's open on the bottom, it only has 11 sides. If it was completely closed in, it would have 12 dodecahedron. Um, and I cut each individual pentagon and design each pentagon to have one of my mandalas. Um, so I drew the mandala by hand, uh, drew it specifically thinking in terms of how it would cut. Um, so thicker lines, not quite as intricate as a lot of my other pieces. But the cool thing about these lamps is when you put the light inside and you turn them on, it casts all these shadows all over the wall and everything around it. And it's very calming and sort of mesmerizing. You, you can look at these, uh, the shapes on the wall and you're just like, wow, you know? Um, so it's, it's cut in, like I said, 11 different pieces. So it's not a solid piece, it's lashed together. Um, I built the base. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a fun piece and it's something functional. Again, another way to use art to make a functional item that you could have in your home or office or whatever. And the reference that Kristen's drawing to the visual impact for anyone who's, who's watching the video of this as opposed to listening to the audio version, the, the pictures that I was looking at of this particular shot, I was really torn between giving a close up so you could actually see what the object was and also a very scaled back shot because it does create a, an incredible background and ambiance to it. it. It really is, it's almost like an art piece as opposed to just a functional piece. Exactly. And speaking of which, very similarly here, um, you have uh, an acrylic piece that has some light attached to it, um, but there's also a, a story here in terms of why this was created. Yeah, um, so a woman here, a local woman here in Casper, um, approached me to make a mandala design, but she wanted it in, made into a dragonfly somehow. So basically what I did was took the dragonfly symbol and I filled it with mandala designs. And the reason she asked me to do this was because she had had several years ago, she had had a, a granddaughter born who only lived a few months and I don't know the story behind why they associate a dragonfly with this little girl, 
Um, but for some reason, the family does. And she really wanted to have a beautiful piece that she could put in her home that was in memoriam of this, this beautiful little girl. Um, and so, you know, when she was talking about that, she wanted it printed, but I thought it would be really neat to do something kind of extraordinary for her instead of just a print to hang on the wall. So of course I had to make something functional. <laughs> um, it, it, with the Glowforge, it's really, I've seen a lot of really cool acrylic etched um, lights. And the way it works is the light comes from out, out of the light base and it travels through the acrylic somehow. And because you've etched these lines in the acrylic, the lines pick up the light and it glows. It's a really interesting concept. I hadn't really ever seen it until I started working with the Glowforge. But anyway, I made this piece in secret for her and I didn't tell her, it was a surprise. And I said, you know, hey, this is yours if you want it. Um, and she loved it, so. And there, there are multiple set of functions in this next piece. There's the mandala effect that, that you create. So this is a custom created piece, but then you did a couple of other things with it too. What, what's going on here? Um, this is a puzzle. Uh, it's a mandala puzzle. So the, the puzzle pieces are cut apart, but the mandala is etched on the puzzle as a whole. Um, and I like these because, you know, you can use them for a few different things. I can sell them either already painted and beautifully colored, you know, lots of color, or I can sell and you can put them together. So they still have a function. You can still take them apart, put them together, or I can sell them as blanks, which is what I call these blanks. There's no, it's just bare wood. Um, and you can paint the puzzle yourself. And then you have a piece that you painted, um, you chose the colors and you can use it, put it together like a puzzle or not, or, you know, leave it on the backing and hang it for a, something to look pretty to look at or, you know, whatever. Um, but when I, I do coloring books too. And when I think about making mandalas, my creative process is very meditative when I do these pieces, these mandala pieces. And my vision for selling them as blanks, either in a coloring book, coloring book form or a print or like this, is that someone else in that coloring process also gets to experience it as a meditative process. And for folks who might have listened <clears throat> to a previous episode uh, of the pod, there was a conversation um, with Hillary Camino and she's a music therapist and she talked about how different activities create different moods for people that, that she treats for different reasons. And for anyone who has listened to that, it, it might come back to mind. I could see this being something that either uh, you, you do with kids um, and, and it's certainly teaching certain you know, manual skills um, and, and dexterous skills, um, but also if you happen to have older relatives um, studies have shown that things like coloring and puzzle work help with cognition and cognitive abilities. So not only does it look cool and there's a great story behind it, but it, it's, as you say, it's very functional, Kristen. And, yeah, and, and I love what you said about an older um, person kind of keeping their brain fresh with that because um, I have a history of Alzheimer's in my family and I really believe very strongly in the longer we keep our brains active and the longer we're still learning I really feel like it puts that off, you know, and, and it's studies have been done that show that the longer, the more you use your brain, the longer it will stay healthy. 
I try not to use mine very often, but I get what you're saying. Oh, you're in trouble, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so the piece that we have in front of us um, is obviously a business card holder, given what's in it. But unlike any business card holder I've ever seen, what did you do with this? And what are some of the, the other things you're doing along a similar line here? So this is uh, leather. It's leather work. And I used the Glowforge to cut the pattern, like the actual piece of leather to be able to fold up and sew up like this. Um, and I also etched the mandala into the leather. So, and, and the, the, the Glowforge does this by burning the leather. So it burns the design into it. And um, the, my process after that was to sew it up because the, the Glowforge actually takes the work out of leather work too, or a lot of the work, I shouldn't say the work, but it takes a lot of the tedious time consuming work, meaning I cut all the holes <laughs> already with the Glowforge. And so it comes out, holes ready to sew up, everything's done. Um, I wet the leather piece just like anyone else who works with leather and tools. And then I use the spoon tool to kind of um, work with the mandala design to give it some three dimension. So I tool it as well and, and dye the leather and sew the leather. And the design is a design that was done by you. So again, this isn't yes. a template that you're pulling offline. Right, it's completely custom. And you and I talked also that you're you're beginning to do some other really cool custom work with leather, not only for business card holders, but other things. But this is something that you could do for someone who might have a very corporate application. You can put logos on it. You could do something that's typically more corporate in addition to this very artistic type of an approach. Do I remember that right? Absolutely. And that has um, started to become a kind of a bread and butter aspect to my business. Um, I do a lot of custom work for people. I've done some for some yoga studios in town. I've done, I'm, I'm, there's another studio that's coming to me now. Um, I, I've done some for Glow Neon. I mean, it's really fun for me to take someone else's vision for their business and say, well, how can I help you, you know, make your dreams come true with your business? How can I help make promotional products? How can I help, you know, whatever you want to do, I'll help you do that. And I, and I love to do it. And the Glowforge has given me another way to be able to, to be relevant in that way. I, there's no middleman for a lot of things now, you know, where you used to have to order things out. They can now come to me and there's, and I don't send it anywhere. I do it in house. Um, so I've done a, I'm doing something, I'm thinking you're probably specifically asking me about the car, the custom car gentleman that I'm working with um, that has, he's working, building a custom car and he has something called bomber seats in this car and bomber seats are uh, metal. They're metal seats that are custom fabricated for this gentleman. And he has come to me because he'd like to have leather cushions made to go in these bomber seats and, but he wants them to be uber custom. So he's asked me to do some designs and etch them into the leather that we will then have sewn into these custom, cool custom uh, cushions for him. Just amazing the the versatility, uh, I guess, is the word that comes to mind that you have. And this is yet another example. There, there are two more related to each other, but again, incredibly versatile things that, that you are doing for people. 
there's a super cool story behind this one. Would you tell folks what they're looking at here? This is a custom puzzle for a little girl in town that I know whose name is Eleanor. And she is a brilliant little thing. And at three years old knows, I don't even know how many types of dinosaurs, <laughs> but she can tell you what each, what each one of these dinosaurs on this puzzle are called. She loves dinosaurs. So um, I created this for her as a birthday gift for her third birthday. Um, and I really like the idea of making custom puzzles for kids. Um, Eleanor is going to learn how to spell her name with this puzzle. Uh, she's play, loves dinosaurs, loves to play with dinosaurs. So she's super interested in playing with it. She plays with it all the time. Um, and I, I don't know, I really, when I was little, I loved puzzles. I uh, played with them constantly. I was a really nerdy kid, but I loved to learn. And uh, I think I was telling you earlier about my obsession with my United States puzzles. I had more than one of them. That's how obsessed I was. Um, I learned all the states and their capitals <laughs> when I was little with these puzzles. Um, so I love the idea of making learning tools for kids and having them be artistic. Uh, these are custom painted. So each piece I paint by hand. Um, as, and I cut them, you know, obviously I cut this on the Glowforge. I design it personally. Um, I've just finished also a little cowgirl puzzle for a little girl um, who's also here in Casper. Her mom asked me for a cowgirl puzzle, cowgirl puzzle and it was super fun to make, so cute. Um, yeah, so basically I think about what kids would want in terms of what I enjoyed, which, you know, we all kind of apply our own our own viewpoints to to everything that we do but another custom piece you made here and folks won't be able to see it in the the picture but the level of customization on this is about as intense as it could possibly get obviously it's a version of monopoly but it's not your typical monopoly game right so i created this one specifically for my sister um, their last name is Tomasi, T-A-M-A-S-I. And um, so I named it Tomasiopoli. And I looked, they love to play games. First of all, my sister and her four boys and her husband love to play games. And so I was really, and she's very, very supportive of my business. I will say that. I want to say that out loud because I really appreciate her and she knows it, but I want her to know every, every time I can. So basically what I wanted to do was just make her something for Christmas this year. Um, and so I came up with the idea of Tomasiopoli because they love to play games, specifically Monopoly. Uh, I designed everything for this game from the fonts to the money, to the squares, the property squares. Um, I looked at a map of the town they live in in Georgia, which is Madison, Georgia. And I found street names and gave all of the properties her, you know, custom street names from around where they live. So they recognized all the streets. Um, I made the two big, you know, the two big properties, which are Boardwalk and Park Place. One of them is their business, name of their business, Tomasi Installations. And another one, the other one is their, the street that they live on. So the street that their house is on. Um, it, and the playing pieces are their names. I put in a couple of extra pieces for, you know, guests to play with. Uh, so you have player, they just say player. 
Um, yeah, so, and, and all of the art on the board is, none of it is, is actually Monopoly art. It's all custom work. So the trains for the railroads, the go symbol in the corner to go, you know, pass, go and collect your $200. All of it is, is very custom. It's incredible. I've, I've seen in stores, Wyomingopoly or Casperopoly, and I thought that was kind of cool. This takes that and moves it to pro level. This is, this is really incredible, Kristen. So a, a couple of um, closing comments um, that I would say, uh, one, thanks again for doing this, Kristen. Uh, it, it's really cool to, to hear how you think about your art and how you think about your craft. Um, the other thing that I would say for folks, if it, if it had all happened to you like it happened to me when I was looking through the work that Kristen does, that I, I started thinking of people, oh, it would be cool to get this for this person or friend who's a, a deadhead. You know, I, I immediately started <laughs> thinking the business card holder would be perfect for him. Um, when we're recording this, we're actually getting fairly close to the holiday season. For those folks who are watching it close to the holiday season, um, you're still accepting orders for Christmas, not to turn this into a commercial, but in case anyone's thinking about that, how long will you continue to accept orders up until Christmas? Um, the week before, as long as you're local. Um, if you can pick up in the shop, I'll work up to a week before Christmas to get your, your stuff done. And what we'll do is for anyone who might want to get connected with Kristen, we'll include links um, to her Facebook page and the posts that we make and also in the notes for this particular show. Um, Kristen, I just wanted to round out with a, a very particular thank you. Um, you've not only been really involved at a community level, you, you do a lot of work in the community that people don't even know you're involved with, um, but also on a personal level. Uh, not many people would know, but Kristen was actually an art tutor for our daughter for a couple of years. Um, and so I've seen her in motion both in the community and as an artist and also as a teacher. Thanks for doing everything that you do, Kristen. I really appreciate it. Uh, Haley was such a joy to work with. It was so fun to see her grow. And it wasn't just a couple of years. I worked, we started together in I think seventh grade, didn't we? Seventh or eighth grade. And she's a senior this year. We ended up, we ended things last year. Haley decided to move on to some higher level stuff, which is perfect and great. And I'm so proud of her. Um, she went from a little girl who was nervous and afraid to make art to now she's making art on her own all the time. And it, it was so exciting for me to be a part of that and to be able to see that growth. So well, thank you. Absolutely. And you've been a part of a lot of things. Again, thanks for doing this today, Kristen. Thank you for having me, Eric. It was great to talk to you.